The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that, the, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. 
Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm always tempted to comment when we have a, a longer gospel passage like this to say that, of course, we're going to read the longer gospel passage. And I, and I say that especially tonight because the gospel passage, the, the shorter option leaves out very key option, very key parts of the passage. And so it's important for us to, to really get a full sense of how, what story St. John is telling us through this gospel, the story about Jesus. It's important for us to get every bit of the, of the detail, long as it may be. And it, it's uh, it's instructive for us to read large portions of the scripture like this in, uh, in liturgy together because it gives us a better sense that what we're hearing before us is not, they're not just simply a bunch of moral lessons set out before us and see, well, okay, let me see, what's the point of this story? Take it away and then go away more or less unchanged because I haven't let the story enter into the depths of my heart. Instead, what we're encountering, especially when we encounter the Gospels, but when we encounter the Scripture in general, is something that is part of the overarching story of how God has created the world out of love, and even when humanity had gone astray and had lost, uh, lost his friendship, as we hear in some of the texts of the Mass, God doesn't abandon the world, but instead he comes, uh, he comes through long centuries and then finally in person, in Jesus, to raise up the fallen world and to bring restoration to that world. And so every bit of the scripture that we read is tapping into that larger story. Sometimes it's more clear, sometimes it's less clear. But I think that we can see in the gospel passage today, especially with, uh, through the story of the Samaritan woman, we can see a little bit more of uh, the wider picture. We can see the salvation unfolding for this woman at the well in the town of Sikar. And for us to... so. Even the way that St. John tells the story is a little bit, um, it's a little bit artful, but some of the details that are in there may be lost on us. He, he gives us, for example, the line, it was about noon. Well, why is that important? Well, it's important because nobody is going to go to the well at, in the heat of the day because it's far from the city. And so the, this woman must have been there for some reason because the crowds would come either early in the morning or later in the day after the heat of the day had passed. And yet St. John tells us it was about noon. This woman is here at noon because she wants to avoid everybody else. There's something in about her life that she doesn't want to, uh, she doesn't want to engage in conversation. She doesn't want to interact with the people that know her well and know, know stuff about her life. And as the story unfolds, we get to see what that is. Uh, but the scene is also odd for, and we get a sense of it when the disciples uh, return and are amazed that he's talking with a woman because they understand that this is, this is going to, this opens Jesus up to gossip. This opens him up to uh, any number of different libelous charges. And they're, they're confused as to why Jesus, the, the person who's supposed to be the Messiah, the one who's supposed to be bringing God's purposes uh, to bear, is risking this. And we see, and above all with the Samaritan woman, the Samaritans who are the enemies of the Jews, and uh, the Samaritans return that uh, understanding of who the Jews are in kind. They also hated the Jews. 
And so there's all of this is in the background of the story that, uh, that St. John lays out before us. And I think all of that background is not, uh, it's not inconsequential to the story because this is something that we re, uh, that St. John has told so that Christian, uh, Christian disciples throughout the generations have read this story. And it's not inconsequential that the woman who is able to uh, eventually encounter Jesus and learn that he is the one that God has sent into the world, it's not unimportant that Jesus enters into the situation knowing full well of the risk that he's carrying. Jesus enters the situation and instead of stepping back, standing back because he's afraid of what the cost of bringing the love of God to the Samaritan woman would be, he doesn't step back, but rather he enters into it. He, he doesn't count the cost. He gives of himself. He enters into the conversation. And so we have this beautiful story before us. Jesus enters this situation with some recklessness, if only to be able to bring God's love, his restorative love, the love that makes a way for this woman. And, that, and this is something that is really, um, it has the power to speak to us and to realize that in some way, as we're reading through the passage and still uh, pondering over it, puzzling over it, seeing what Jesus is doing, and I encourage you to do that, not simply during Mass, but to do that when you go home tonight or throughout the rest of the week. Allow this passage to unfold for you and see what the, what the true import of everything that's going on here can be and, what, and where Jesus is trying to speak to you. Because know that if Jesus is going out to this woman, the Samaritan woman, that uh, has five husbands, and the one that she is with is now not her husband, if he's able to uh, enter into that situation not being afraid of the scandal that it's going to cause because he simply wants to bring her back and bring her into contact with the love of God, then how much more than realize that that is in many ways what he has done for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have been called by Jesus. That's why we're here but he's won us at great cost. This is what St. Paul was talking about in the second reading. It's hard to find someone to, you may be able to find somebody to give their life for the sake of a good man. But for us, while we were yet sinners, Jesus gave his life. He did not count the cost. And we're seeing some of that work out in the passage before us. And it's important for us to remember that as we who have received Christ's call, we have received his forgiveness, his love, to be mindful of that every moment of every day to give thanks to God for the, co for the costly love that he has shed upon us. And so that's just the background. There's still more. And now, I know that some of you may realize that I'm not always the most disciplined about not trying to say absolutely everything, but I promise I am not going to say everything there's to say about this passage tonight because it's so long, but also there's rarely anybody who can actually say everything about a scripture passage, but we'll see where it takes us. Part of what's going on in this exchange, we see the conversation and it, it goes through a couple of different phases. So first he, there's this, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman and he says, give me a drink. And then he's, he's kind of uh, shifting between talking about like spiritual realities and just simple realities. He says, give me a drink, and then the woman doesn't understand because he's talking uh, as, 
he's talking to her at the well, and she's going about a mundane task of drawing water, and then he starts talking about living water. Living water, we, we hear that and we think of the Holy Spirit, which is right and just, that's as we should, but for anybody of the time, that simply meant running water. And so she thinks he's talking about some river that she could uh, draw water from. But instead, Jesus is bringing her to, uh, he's bringing her to be aware of the spiritual reality that he's talking about. And so even at the end of the first part, she says, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have, have to keep coming here to draw water. So she still hasn't understood at the end of that part Everyone who drinks this water, uh, whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She doesn't quite understand that, even at the end of the first part of the conversation. But as it moves on, Jesus changes the subject. He says, go call your husband. And this is where we start to see that this woman that he's talking to is somebody that is, especially for the time, but even for our own day, we would be, well, this is, this is kind of a complex situation, and most of, us might, uh, most of us might not even be tempted to be that charitable. We would say, what is this woman doing with all these husbands? Why does she have all these husbands, and one of them isn't even her husband? What's, what's wrong here? And Jesus says, um, Jesus is able to say to her, you are right in saying, so we know that he's going into the, he in the conversation, knowing who this woman is. And when he lays his finger on the, on the sore spot, the thing, that, uh, the thing that is troubling her, it's part of the reason why she's at the well at this hour, she changes the subject. She says, sir, uh, enough about my moral life. Let's talk about religion. Sir, I can see you're a prophet. And Jesus goes along with the conversation and he talks about, um, he talks about how even though salvation has come through the Jews, there's something new at work, and it's because Jesus, the Messiah, the one that God has promised, is on the scene. And it's through this conversation that the woman who, living in a life that we can certainly say is immoral, and for any number of different reasons, it may, we, can, we only hear a little bit about the woman's life, but there are, of course, any number of things that can lead to being in a very difficult situation like this, both on her part and on the part of the husbands that, that she's had. And we don't even have any, we don't even necessarily have any insight to all the, um, all the complex uh, emotional stress that would have gone through a, a woman living in this, in this situation, and that there seems to be no way out. This is all that, all she can do is make her peace with the situation. And then Jesus comes on the scene pointing, at, pointing out to her and telling her what she did. And we have this remarkable reversal. The woman who had, avoid, who had previously avoided everyone that she lived in common with, everybody that she shared a city with, suddenly when she's told everything that she's done by Jesus and she's made that encounter with Jesus, She's able, instead of hiding from the rest of her, uh, her city, she runs into the town. She runs into the town proclaiming, this guy told me everything that I did wrong. He must be the Christ. He must be the one that we're waiting for. He must be the one that is bringing the good news of God's salvation to people. And it's not simply, it's not simply reserved for the Jews. It's coming even to us. And so this woman 
who's lived a life that's difficult beyond some of our imaginings, she runs into the town and is able to bring the good news of Christ's uh, Christ kingdom. She's able to run into the city and give that news to them before, the, before even the disciples do. And this, is, and this is in some way where we start to see what Jesus is talking about. Whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Because the living water that God will give, as we're, as we're used to, especially in our post-Easter reflection, realizing that this discussion of living water in some way has, uh, has reference to the Holy Spirit. And that means we who have been given the Holy Spirit, God's love poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, the thing that every human heart is longing for that every human heart is created for is God's love. It is the love of God that completes the human heart. Without it, we are going to go after any number of different things. Perhaps that's part of the reason why this woman had five husbands, looking for the love of God in everywhere that she thought she could find it and still leaving, going away unsatisfied. And isn't that the case with us, my friends? that any and every time that we try and substitute something for the love of God, that we're left wanting, that we're left unsatisfied. And yet we can see in this woman who encounters Jesus, even in this short span of time, maybe just an hour, her heart is transformed because she's come face to face with the love of God. And so that she's able to take a drink of this of this living water, and she, by doing so, becomes that spring of water welling up to eternal life. She's the one that's able to bring the good news of the love of God made flesh in Christ Jesus to the people that she had avoided for fear of being made fun of or being outcast. She's instead now the one that brings them the good news that salvation is on offer through Christ Jesus. And this is only part of the great news that we have on display today. This is the good news of the gospel, that Christ, that the love of God is available to us through Christ and that we have been called by Christ Jesus by name. And we're called to be strengthened that, in that love and bring that love, turn that love back over to God in worship, in joyful praise, and to be strengthened in that love every time we receive his body and blood here at the altar. That's part of it. The rest of it, I have to leave to you to enter into reflection on the scripture and let, let God do the rest of the work. Let God do the work of bringing you into encounter with him, bringing you into deeper relationship with him so that you can take a drink of this living water so that having been filled with the love of God, you, through your life, can engage in the same work of reckless love, reckless self-gift that we see on display with Jesus in the gospel and that that love filling our hearts, we can be springs from which others are able to receive the living water, the love of God, the love of God made flesh in Christ Jesus and extended through us as faithful followers.